Chapter 12 Tools The Truth About Tools Some men really love tools. Do you remember the television show Home Improvement? Like Home Improvement's Tim the Toolman Taylor, you may have a garage full of tools that will put the local hardware store to shame. However, these tools don't do you any good if you don't know how to use them. There's an interior knowledge that is more important than the tool itself. I started a new job as a youth pastor when I first got married. I was 21 years old and altogether clueless when it came to using tools. My church threw a big wedding reception for my wife and me, and some of the men set me up for life with an abundance of new, shiny tools. Over a decade later, many of those tools are still new and shiny. While I've gained some handyman knowledge by necessity over the past 12 or 13 years, I know where my strengths lie, and that's not in the world of tools. If I want a job to take four hours and cause me tons of stress, I'll do it myself. If I want it to take 30 minutes while I hang around and watch or read a book, I'll call a friend. It really doesn't matter how many tools you own. If you use a hammer to tighten a screw or a screwdriver to seal a pipe, you're going to make a big mess of things. The same is true for the standard, quote, tools of the trade in a man's battle for sexual purity. Great tools like accountability partners, Bible memorization, and internet filters definitely have their place, but there is a reason this chapter is last in this book. Tools in and of themselves are not going to transform your heart, teach you God's design for sex, or ultimately free you from the allure of sexual temptation. Tools must be used with the interior knowledge you've gained in the first 11 chapters, along with intentional time spent with the Lord, letting him marinate those truths into your soul. Footnote. If you did not use the devotional guide provided in Appendix B as you read this book, challenge yourself to reread the book over the next 40 days using Appendix B as your guide. End of footnote. Opening the Toolbox. Talk. One of Satan's most devious lies when it comes to sexual temptation is to tell many of us, quote, you are the only Christian who struggles with this, unquote. We start to believe that if we were to share our struggles with trusted Christian friends, their mouths would drop open in disbelief and disgust at how dirty and sinful we are. As a result, we keep our struggles bottled up inside, swimming in shame and isolation with the spiral of addiction confusion, and despair swirling around us and pulling us in ever deeper. Others of us lie to ourselves, convincing ourselves that our sin isn't bad enough to bring into the light and deal with. We reason that we only stumble into porn, lust, or fantasy every now and then. We're working on it, and we really will eventually get rid of it without help. After all, this kind of sin isn't the, quote, worst kind so it's not worth confessing to anyone else or getting help for. Still, others figure God's commands for purity don't really apply to men in the 21st century. They give themselves a pass to indulge in lust here and there, as long as they don't get carried away. Or they simply define lust on their own terms. Sure, porno videos and Playboy are wrong, but Game of Thrones and House of Cards are just TV shows. Footnote. Visit www.atacrossroads.net slash vidangel 
to see how you can watch Game of Thrones, House of Cards, and other TV shows and movies without the sex and nudity scenes. End of footnote. These lies serve to keep us entangled in our sin and allow life to slowly seep out of us. True freedom never in hand. When I first started sharing about my past addiction to pornography and sermons, I was hesitant. As I did my sermon prep, I could feel a strong sense of fear and timidity coming from Satan. What would people think of me? What if I truly was the only person in this crowd who struggled with this? Every time I shared my testimony, and I mean every time, I've had at least one Christian man in the church send me an email saying he was so glad to hear my story. Often this man would be a very mature Christian, married with kids, and had found himself wrapped in a net of porn addiction he couldn't find a way out from. After enough of these conversations, I began to realize not only should it not be surprising to hear a man struggle with sexual temptation, it would in fact be surprising to find a man who didn't struggle in this area in some way or another. Yet to this day, many churches remain silent on this topic, giving Satan exactly what he wants. A friend of mine worked on staff at a megachurch. He asked the lead pastor if the church could address pornography in a sermon, sensing it was an issue with many of the men in the church. The lead pastor told him the church, quote, wasn't ready for that sort of topic. Strike up a victory for Satan. James 5:16 tells us, quote, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed, unquote. There is power and healing when we have the courage to tell someone else about our sin. Often we only confess our sins to God, but keep them a secret from those around us. While confessing our sins to God is necessary, he gave us the church, the very body of Christ, for a reason. He calls the church his body because he has uniquely equipped the church to do his works. We have Jesus in bodily form at our doorstep. Yet we remain captive in our sexual sins because we won't reach out for him. Imagine your problem is that you need to get a nail all the way into a 2 by 4 piece of wood. You've been trying to push the nail in by hand with all your might, to no avail. You take the 2 by 4 and the nail to God in prayer, telling him you need him to take care of your problem and hammer it in for you. Meanwhile, he has already provided you with an incredible box full of tools called the church, along with an instruction manual, the Bible, for how to use the toolbox. Here in this toolbox are brothers in Christ whom God has equipped to bring you his healing when you open yourself up to them. It's very powerful to audibly speak our sexual temptations into reality in front of other Christian men. When they are in our heads, our fantasies make sense to us. When we speak them out loud to another person, their distortion and destruction become real and we see them for what they truly are. We have to hear ourselves describe how twisted our minds have become, not so we can feel shame, but so we can see how we veered off course and with the help of a brother can recalibrate our vision to see life, reality, and truth again. Proverbs 27:17 is right on when it says, quote, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, unquote. A piece of iron needs another piece of iron in order for it to stay sharp. What happens when a piece of iron goes it alone? It becomes dull and ineffective. 
Have you become dull? Is this dullness fueled by a fear that you're the only one who struggles with sexual sin? Call Satan's bluff and speak your temptation out loud into the real world. Find a Christian brother or brothers and share your story with them. Read through this book together. Sharpen one another. Pray together. God works miracles through prayer. Satan has a great poker face, but scripture reveals he's holding an off-suited two and seven in his Texas Hold'em hand. Call his bluff. Speak your story and make him show his cards. I will never forget leading a sexual purity Bible study my sophomore year of college. There were 20 guys together in a room for our first week of the study. I began by sharing my sexual sin struggles and temptations, and I invited the rest of the guys to do the same. Eventually, all 20 of us did. It was beautiful to experience. 19 out of 20 of us struggled with the allure of pornography. And this was at a Christian college with many of these 20 guys studying to become pastors, confessing our sins to one another, and learning that we weren't alone was the beginning of many life-changing miracles. The church is meant to be a place for broken, bleeding, hurting people. It is meant to be an emergency room, not a country club. It is meant to be a place of grace, not condemnation. Utilize it as such. Don't keep walking alone in your pain when healing is only a conversation away. Online filters and email reports. Online filters, footnote. For brevity, I am using filters and or monitoring software synonymously in this section. End of footnote. Are a needed tool, but should not be the be-all end-all for solving your purity problems. Just as a hammer is a needed tool, but can't be the only tool in your box. So online filters alone cannot secure your sexual purity. Filters need to be used as one part of a transformational change strategy, not as a band-aid applied to cancer. The cure for sexual sin resides in the heart and the mind, not in the fingers and eyes. This is why we spent the last 11 chapters going over truth after truth of how our hearts and minds need to be rewired and reprogrammed to match God's original design for sex rather than the polluted and convoluted imitation our culture hands out to us like candy. Using an online filter without simultaneously reprogramming the heart and mind is like adding a new air filter to a furnace with faulty wiring. The filter alone is not going to solve the underlying problem. To live in the full freedom God has designed for us, we need to go beyond physically forcing ourselves into submission, beyond training a dog to obey commands. I say all this to put online filters in their proper place prior to talking about how important they are in our battle for sexual purity. Online filters are essential in the digital age. I'd go so far as to say a man is downright foolish for not using one on his and his entire family's internet devices. We just have to be careful not to lean on them for things they are unable to deliver on, making sure we are still developing a strategy that actually changes us in the long run. The road to freedom from sexual sin is long and complicated. It will take every tool at our disposal, online filters included, to reach God's design for purity. 
When we have continual access to pornographic images, it's going to be nearly impossible to break the grip sexual sin has on us. When someone makes the decision to stop looking at online porn, there's no way they are strong enough to simply quit cold turkey with willpower as their only help. There's no point in even attempting this. I fear that some men want a merit badge to show that they were able to quit porn without using a filter. This is pointless and stupid. No one cares. Moreover, 99% of the time, you're only setting yourself up for failure. The men who, quote, stumble into porn every few months are especially guilty of this. If you really wanted to quit porn, you'll add a filter or accountability software. I'm amazed at the number of men who say they want to be free from porn, but then do not put any type of filter or monitoring software on their computers and mobile devices. Many of these men continue to, quote, slip yet don't consider their sin serious enough to stop the flow of it into their lives. I honestly don't understand this. The only way to understand it is to assume these men don't actually want to be free. I've been in ministry long enough to know that I don't care about your words. I care about your action plan. If sexual sin is a bonfire, every time we slip into porn, fantasy land, lustful gazes, or watch a movie with nudity in it, We simply throw more wood and gasoline onto the fire. We reaffirm the mental conditioning that women are objects to be dehumanized and give our brain more visual memories to feed from. The only way to get a fire to go out is to stop feeding it. There are certainly more ways to access porn than via the internet, but the internet is the most readily accessible avenue for consumption and is the one that needs to be snuffed out as first priority. If you've been hooked on seeing women as objects and you're trying to reverse your mindset, why would you continue to allow these alluring images to have unchecked access into your life? If there's a stream of gasoline flowing into your bonfire and you can block the stream, what would possibly prevent you from doing so? One excuse guys use when it comes to installing purity software is to say they can't because filters restrict their access to non-pornographic sites they need to use for school or work. An easy solution to this is to use monitoring software, which reports the website you visit to accountability partners, but doesn't block any sites. Another excuse men use is cost. Some men don't want to pay for a filter. Yes, there are free filters out there, but none of them I've found work well enough to count on. What's ironic about the money excuse is that a guy will pay for satellite or cable TV, Netflix, home internet, and a data plan on his phone, all things that stream porn into his life, but then say he doesn't have the money for a filter that is cheaper than any of these services. Pack your lunch one day a month instead of eating out, and you've just paid for your filter. Now go find a new excuse. I think for many men, the rationale in not using purity software is based on pride mixed with shame. If a man has to add a filter, he feels like he is admitting his sin is, quote, bad enough for that type of drastic action, or that he isn't strong enough to fix it himself. This mindset can be remedied with a proper view of sin and grace. To act like a little bit of sin is okay, quote, well, sure I sin, but not enough to need a filter, unquote, is a tragic theological blunder. Any sin is enough to separate you from God. Any sin is rebellion against a holy God. Any sin is living in death rather than life. 
The sin of porn is especially dangerous because even those little slips in bed in your mind for years, the little nibble of the forbidden fruit is often enough to get a man hooked well beyond what he planned for. Sexual sin is unique from all other sins in that it's a sin against your own body. Sexual sin sticks in your mind. You can't erase overnight the catalog of images and memories embedded in your mind. What seems harmless is anything but. After teaching that lusting over a woman is the same as having sex with her, Jesus tells us that lust is so serious and dangerous we ought to cut off our hand and gouge out our eyes if it would help us to avoid it. Footnote, Matthew 5, 27 to 30, end of footnote. If adding a simple and inexpensive filter to your laptop, tablet, or smartphone will prevent a huge swath of sexual temptation from entering your life, wouldn't this be a much easier solution than chopping off your appendages? If Jesus were teaching in the 21st century, he might warn that many guys need to cancel their TV packages, their Netflix, yes, Game of Thrones is porn, and their ability to add apps onto their smartphone. Footnote. Most smartphones can be password protected so apps can't be added. If you're looking at porn on Instagram or a number of other apps, you need to delete the app and have a trusted friend set up a password that stops you from adding apps. If you're not willing to do this, stop saying you want to be free from porn. End of footnote. Honestly, sexual sin is so prevalent across society, there's nothing, quote, drastic about adding purity software anymore. It's not just for extreme addiction. It's for anyone who wants to protect himself and his family against potential harm, even if no one currently has a problem. Purity software ought to be seen as an essential, not as extreme. Filters and email reports have been a great help to me in my journey for purity. The best service I have found is Covenant Eyes. There are other good programs out there, but I'm drawn to Covenant Eyes for several reasons. First, Covenant Eyes gives you the option of using a filter that blocks websites, monitoring software that sends emails to accountability partners, or both. You pay for the services you use, but not for the ones you don't. It also allows you to use the same software on an unlimited number of devices. This is a really nice feature in comparison to most other purity software services, which typically charge you per install. You can put Covenant Eyes on your computers, laptops, smartphones, and tablets, all for one price with no extra charges. You can also do a family plan, which allows you to create different settings for different users who use the same device. Covenant Eyes has very good tech support, which is always helpful when dealing with any sort of technology. Finally, I appreciate Covenant Eyes because it's a Christian company that provides gospel-centered free resources to aid you in maintaining your purity, such as a blog, footnote, www.covenanteyes.com slash blog, end of footnote, newsletters, and free ebooks. The designers behind Covenant Eyes understand that a filter alone won't save you, so they give you ample resources to bolster you on your journey. The monthly price for Covenant Eyes is very affordable. Head to their website to see current prices and use the promo code CROSSROADS to receive your first month free. I'm also leading online video small groups in partnership with Covenant Eyes, where you receive $4 a month off your Covenant Eyes bill indefinitely, and I get to lead you through six weeks of the Beyond the Battle small group curriculum. Go to www. 
at a crossroads.net slash six weeks, the number six that is, for more details. Covenant Eyes is in process of adding artificial intelligence to its service, which can block out pornographic and sensual images based on what it sees in a photo, not just from keywords and code. For those who would like this kind of protection now, I recommend Iris, which is created by Picnics, a sister company of Covenant Eyes. Iris operates across the board on all your apps. For example, Instagram, Snapchat, text messaging, photos, etc. Including your internet browser and will detect and block pornographic images. It even works when you aren't online. Iris is currently only available for Android and Windows mobile devices, PC and Mac computers, and is in process of expanding to iPhone. Iris has a 14-day free trial. Footnote. Since Beyond the Battle is obviously print media and can't be updated in real time, by the time you are reading this, Iris may have already expanded to the iPhone, and Covenant Eyes may have already added artificial intelligence technology. Be sure to check. End of footnote. I always tell guys that adding a filter is a lot cheaper than getting a divorce, and the expense of a filter or monitoring software is certainly worth it to save your heart and mind from the bankruptcy of destruction you could be headed for. Saying you can't afford to purchase purity software really isn't an excuse. The truth is, you can't afford not to. More and more and more tools. VidAngel is an amazing service that allows you to filter out sex and nudity from movies and TV shows. You can also filter profanity, violence, and other objectionable elements if you desire. Its cost at present is $8 a month, and it connects directly to your existing Netflix, Amazon Prime, and or Amazon Channels HBO accounts. The first month is free, and you can cancel anytime. Visit www.atacrossroads.net slash vidangel for more details. If a movie or show isn't covered by VidAngel and you don't want to buy the service, another great tool can be found on IMDb. Footnote, www.imdb.com. End of footnote. Every movie and TV show on IMDb has a parent's guide on its page. Click this and it will describe any sex or nudity scene appearing in the movie or show. I always check whatever I plan to watch using IMDb's parent guide. If something questionable is listed, I simply don't watch the show. Now, thanks to VidAngel, I can still watch a lot of these shows or movies, but the IMDb tool is still very helpful. If accessing porn on apps like Instagram is a problem for you, go into your tablet or smartphone setting and allow an accountability partner to create a parental passcode. This is different than the passcode used to open your phone. They can then lock out your ability to add new apps, unless they are present to put in the code. This is a simple feature designed to give parents the ability to stop their kids from adding apps, but it works great for maintaining sexual purity as well. So delete Instagram, and using this method, you won't be able to re-add it during a time of temptation later. There is no excuse to view porn on Instagram, Snapchat, or the many other apps out there. If these apps become a problem for you, be real about it, delete them, and let someone stop you from being able to add them back. It's well worth it. And again, you can install Iris, and it will block any pornographic images that appear in Instagram and other apps.
you can use this same strategy if you are accessing pornographic shows on Netflix or Amazon Prime. VidAngel is great if you are in control of your addiction, but if you're in the stage where you are still seeking out porn when no one else is around, you need to take action. You need to get rid of these streaming TV services, or if you must have them, have an accountability partner create the parental passcode on them so you can only watch when your accountability partner is around, ideal in a marriage situation. Contact customer support for any of these products if you can't figure out how to add the parental password. Nowadays, you can access porn on just about anything, including an Xbox or other online video game console. I stopped playing video games many years ago. That sounds so self-righteous, I know, I'm sorry. So I can't help you navigate ways to block potential porn outlets. I imagine there are parental passcodes on these as well that you can look into. At the end of the day, if you are using these machines to bring porn into your home and you can't seem to stop, get rid of them. Footnote, a friend of mine smashed his Xbox to bits with a hammer because he kept looking at porn on it. Yep, that'll work. End of footnote. Jesus wasn't joking when he said it's better to lose an eye or hand than to see our whole bodies thrown into hell. Talking to your wife for married men. Speaking your sexual sin into reality with trusted Christian men goes a long way toward disarming fantasy's power. Speaking it to your wife takes your transparency to a whole new level. If you decide to have this conversation, you will experience the full brunt of reality in a way you likely can't imagine. You will feel guilt, pain, and shame as you realize what the secret acts you've rationalized are doing to the fabric of your life. When your struggles stay in your head, they are easy to justify as understandable. Even when you talk to other men for accountability, there's still a level of empathy and grace that comes from another man who can likely relate to the allure of your temptation. But when you share it with your wife, the one you have betrayed, you will feel the real pain your sinful actions cause. We need to feel this pain because it makes us understand our sin is far from harmless. We need to see our sin the way God does, and feeling this pain helps us move closer to that reality. I encourage you to talk to your wife about your sexual sins and to utilize her as a part of your accountability team, but do so using the proper timing. Before confiding in her, I strongly encourage you to have some successes down the road of purity first. If you're in the middle of a long-standing porn addiction your wife knows nothing about and you suddenly go to her and tell her, she's not going to know how to react. Some women panic and overreact, feeling as though all trust has eroded and the marriage is falling apart. If you have not put a plan of action into place, they may want to forgive you but struggle to trust you to not fall back into old habits again. The solution is to put your plan of action in place and start developing a new track record of purity. If you are already meeting with some male accountability partners, and possibly your pastor as well, and you've put a good internet filter on your computer, it will certainly soften the blow when you talk to your wife for the first time, especially since you are asking for her help and even desire to include her on your email accountability reports. Your wife will still feel hurt, and rightfully so. But knowing that you have a plan in place and that you have already had some success with it 
will go a long way towards showing her you truly mean to carry out your new commitment and you truly do love her. I don't recommend going into gruesome detail with her on what or who you've been looking at or thinking about. Generalizations will be painful enough and should be all that is needed to get the point across and to get the help you need from her. The most important thing she will need is to see that even though it hurts to learn these things, it is a much better alternative than having you continue to keep secrets and not do anything about it, which lots of men do. Allow your wife to grieve the trust that has been broken and expect her to pull away for a little while. Don't use this response as a rationalization to go back to your sin. It's only natural for her to respond this way and it's all a part of the healing process. It will take perseverance on your part to keep growing stronger in your purity and you'll need to lean extra heavily on Jesus' approval as your power source because your wife might shut her approval off completely for a season. As you persevere, your wife's trust in you will grow accordingly, as will her willingness to be close with you once again. Also, be careful not to blame your wife for playing a role in your sexual sin as if she pushed you to it. You are 100% accountable before God for your actions. Contributing circumstances within your marriage are not an escape clause that allow you to sin. Be convinced of this in your heart before talking to your wife, as any attempt to point to her contributions will be counterproductive and will shut down the process of repentance and growth you are pursuing. Don't even bring this up. This is not that conversation. Talking to your wife will be a great strengthener to you, but she shouldn't be your main accountability partner. She doesn't need to know every time you are tempted and what's going through your mind every second of the day, but having her in your corner will be invaluable to you for the long haul. There's no greater accountability than knowing your wife is watching you. It's unlikely you would look at pornography or flirt with your coworker if your wife was standing right next to you. It may also be helpful to share with your wife some purity resources such as this book, as well as websites like www.covenanteyes.com and www.xxxchurch.com. Footnote, triplexchurch.com has a forum for wives of men who struggle with porn. They also have a prayer and advice wall. Covenant Eyes blog has a featured category for women whose husbands struggle with sexual sin. End of footnote. She can then see that you aren't the only Christian man struggling with sexual purity and that you are taking the Christ-centered steps of getting your heart and mind right, both for her and for your relationship with God. These resources may help equip her with a spirit of grace and healing rather than judgment and alienation. They will also show her how much better off she is to have a husband who is actively and tenaciously fighting against these temptations than to be married to one of the scores of men who have become apathetic and even welcoming toward them. Talking to your wife won't be easy, but it is worth it in the long run. After you've built a substantial track record of strength and purity, bring your wife in as your ally in this fight. You will need all the help you can get. Love letters for single men. Some of you are nearly positive you'll get married someday. Some are nearly positive you won't, and some have no idea. Whatever your situation, you don't have a wife right now but you might someday. 
The previous few pages for married men discuss how men's wives can be powerful allies in our fight for freedom from sexual sin. Wives take what feels harmless and easy to rationalize in our minds and make it real. They take what is fantasy with no repercussions and turn it into reality, revealing the full force of collateral damage. You don't have the luxury of having this type of powerful ally at this point in your purity journey, but there are still some very helpful exercises you can do to apply this principle to the single life. This will feel a little corny, but trust me on this. Take out a pen and paper and write a letter to your future wife. Tell her about the steps you are taking and the fight you are fighting to be pure for her. Tell her about the type of marriage you'd like to have someday, the type of marriage that embodies the love Jesus has for you. Tell her how far you've come and about the goals you've made as you move forward. Tell her how you are praying for her now, even though you may not have even met her yet. Take intentional time to pray for her. Save this letter and plan on giving it to her someday. Whenever temptation comes around, pull out another sheet of paper and write another. And another. Writing to your future wife now will be much easier than talking to your actual wife someday about the sexual sins you are still fighting because you never dealt with them during your single years. You will also enjoy freedom and a clean conscience in your single life and will have more to celebrate with your wife if and when you do tie the knot. Writing these letters and praying these prayers will tangibly remind you that your sexual sin involves more than just you. Your current sin patterns very tangibly and directly affect your future wife and the children you might have together. And again, even if you never get married, your sexual sin still affects all the relationships you have with the women around you. The key to bursting the bubble of fantasy is to expose it to as much reality as possible. Writing letters for your future real wife will certainly help do that. If you are convinced that you will not be getting married and writing a letter to a fictional wife feels too far-fetched, use the same exercise to write letters to Jesus. Tell him why you are submitting to his will. Tell him you are turning to him for love rather than turning to the temptation currently facing you. Tell him why and how much you love him. Be personal with him and allow him to be personal with you. Share these letters to Jesus with your pastor or your men's accountability group. Excuses I know not everyone struggles with the same type of sexual temptation in the same way, but it has always been difficult for me to know my Christian brothers watch popular movies and TV shows with explicit nude and sex scenes in them. If a video with people having sex in it is called porn, and we all agree we shouldn't watch it, how does that now become justifiable just because there's an artistic plot underlying it and movie stars we've heard of featured in the film. There's always been a debate between what is porn and what is art. Nude modeling, which has been around for centuries, is seen by many as art. But there's a huge difference between nude modeling and seductive nude modeling. Seductive nude modeling is what you will find in Playboy magazines and a million other porn outlets. If you look at the nudity found in Hollywood blockbusters and HBO dramas, can you really argue that it's not meant to be incredibly seductive? And let's be honest, 
there are plenty of sex scenes that wouldn't technically count as nudity because an actress is wearing lingerie, but the orgasmic noises and faces are vivid enough to haunt your mind for days, if not months, afterward. If our biggest problem in maintaining sexual purity is that we've been conditioned to objectify women and live in a fantasy world, how on earth is watching some of the most attractive women on the planet have unrealistic, quote, sex, done up with lights, makeup, seductive sounds, and background music going to help you in your journey toward purity? It's just like Satan to take something so poisonous and wrap it up in a bunch of seemingly harmless or even enjoyable trappings. Action, drama, movie stars, artistic stories, heroes, villains, kings, knights, dragons, soldiers, comedy, sports, etc. It isn't enough to, quote, cover your eyes during the nude scenes. Ask yourself honestly, are you still catching an eyeful prior to getting those lids shut? And does that eyeful and the accompanying sound bites stick in your memory? You don't even need to ask whether your flesh enjoyed the eyeful or the moaning you still hear, no matter how tight your eyes are shut. Of course you enjoyed it. Your brain is hardwired to enjoy that type of stimulus. You also don't need to ask whether that eyeful will continue to teach you to objectify women. Of course it will, as it's simply more fuel to add to the same old fire we've been talking about for 11 chapters now. Jesus wasn't messing around when he told us to cut off our hands and gouge out our eyes if they are causing us to sin sexually. While I don't think he was being literal, he was underlying the incredible urgency of doing whatever is necessary to stay sexually pure. He sets up drastic examples, gouging out our eyes or cutting off our hands, so we can compare these steps to the actual sacrifices he's going to call on us to make. Will you miss out on some gripping entertainment if you don't watch the latest racy HBO series? Yes. Will you miss out on water cooler talk about the latest Hollywood blockbuster with nudity in it? Yes. Will you miss out on some sports if you get rid of HBO or if you get rid of the entire level of cable you are currently using? Yes. But are these sacrifices anywhere near that of cutting off your hand or gouging out your eyes? Obviously not. Are they anywhere near the painful damage these seeds of sin will reap in your life? You can continue your HBO, Netflix, and movie viewing habits and short-circuit everything you've learned from this book. Is it really worth it? We deceive ourselves by underplaying the effects these stimulating images have on our mind's conditioning. These images are teachers. They are professors. They teach us to see women as objects. They teach us our sex lives should be like what we see in the movies. They teach us our wives should look and act like the actresses on our screens. They teach our brains to long for that type of sex with that type of woman. They teach us to be attracted to a that instead of a her. If we are viewing the image, we are being taught by the image. This all comes back to Jesus and the gospel. You'll never get this if you don't get the gospel. In the inner city park ministry we do, mentioned in chapter 8, we always take one week out of the summer to talk about sexual purity and how God's design is for us to save sex until marriage. The teens never take us seriously. We can give them every benefit in the book 
about why to do this, from avoiding STDs in pregnancy, to not objectifying women, to the benefits of having a stable family, to even the spiritual benefits of submitting to Christ because he designed us. But these teens don't know Christ. They are still their own gods and their own kings. Their hearts have not been softened and penetrated by the grace of Jesus to where they trust God's way over their own ways. So no matter what we tell them, they're simply going to do it their way because their way feels better. I'm hoping readers of this book are followers of Jesus, whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. If you're not, please turn to the afterword immediately. It is only men who have surrendered to Jesus who will courageously do whatever it takes to follow Jesus' plan above their own. My prayer and hope is that men of God will stand up, stop making excuses, and start fully obeying Jesus. Not because we will receive an amazing benefit from it. In reality, we are making a huge earthly sacrifice. No, I pray for this because of what our sin does to the heart of God, to our hearts, and to the church's witness. I pray for this because Jesus knows what he's doing and because Jesus is worth it. Whether it's in your television and movie choices or in some other area, stop making excuses. Stop giving Satan a foothold where he can slowly drip poison into God's beautiful design and plan for your life and your marriage. Weightlifting Growing strong in your sexual purity is akin to weightlifting. If you lift weights one time and then stop, your body will remain weak. But if you lift weights consistently over a long period of time, you will see results as your body becomes stronger and the discipline of lifting becomes easier and more natural to maintain. Making a one-time commitment to be sexually pure is as effective as buying a gym membership for the new year but never using it. Reading this book once won't cure you of sexual impurity. I wish it would. I wrote it, and I still need to be reminded of these principles regularly. In fact, I use the devotionals in Appendix B on a regular basis in my life to this day. If you made it to the end of the book, you've set yourself up well with 200 pages of weightlifting behind you, which is a great start. The most frustrating thing about weightlifting, though, is that you really can never stop doing it. Once you reach your fitness goals, it doesn't take long before those results vanish if you stop maintaining your workout regimen. Footnote. Obviously, this is not a perfect analogy. God is the one who does the transformative change in us. We don't do this by our own strength. But we do need to remind ourselves of the truths of the gospel, Luke 22, 19-20, and intentionally remain in them, John 15, 4, which takes discipline. Spiritual weightlifting is a way of consciously fighting against our forgetfulness so that we are able to bear fruit via the Holy Spirit. End of footnote. As is true for any area of spiritual maturity, sexual purity is not something you achieve and then file on the shelf. We are forgetful people. You can hear a great sermon, be convinced of its truths, then go home the next day and forget what you learn, reverting right back to your old routine. This is the reality and burden of being human. What compounds this natural forgetfulness is that we have been conditioned for our entire lives to do things a certain way sexually. Decades of conditioning did not get reversed overnight. 
no matter how moving the altar call or how helpful the book. I take comfort knowing that Jesus knew this about us. When he gives the Lord's Supper the night before his crucifixion, he breaks a piece of bread and holds up a cup of wine, the bread signifying his body broken for us, and the cup his blood shed for us. He says, quote, do this in remembrance of me, unquote. He knows we are forgetful, so he gives us the Lord's Supper to remind us of him and his truth. If Jesus thought we'd only need to learn this message once, he would not have told his disciples to continue the practice of regularly remembering his life, death, and resurrection through this revered sacrament. In our quest for sexual purity, we also need reminders. Satan will not stop bombarding us with lies, so we need to never stop bombarding ourselves with the truth. This book contains the truths we need to reprogram our hearts and minds from the enslavement of sexual immorality to the freedom of living fully in God's design for sex and life. It is like a room full of weights and exercise equipment, but these weights won't do us any good if we let them just sit around and collect dust. The key to the journey is to remember that you cannot do it alone. If you read this book and resolve to stop the sexual immorality in your life, but never talk to anyone else about this, you are doomed to fail. For athletes to be successful, they need coaches and trainers who continually provide training, discipline, and accountability. They need teammates they can train with, bond with, and be spurred on by. They need fans who cheer for them while they are on the field. They need to be able to look at the crowd and see they are a part of something bigger than themselves, that others are rooting for them and are looking up to them. They need to look around and see teammates and coaches who are depending on them to do the right thing at the right time so that the entire community can thrive. This is the picture of what the local church is meant to be for us. Even the best athletes in the world have coaches. It's a simple fact of life that we are much stronger and can achieve exponentially more when we have others around us stretching us past our limits. The only way we will be successful in reprogramming our hearts to God's standard for sexual purity is if we enlist reliable coaches, teammates, and fans around us. While this supporting cast is somewhat expected on the athletic field, it is less common when it comes to the battlefield of spiritual growth. As Christian men, we are much more likely to keep our guard up. Like the proud, uncoachable player, we assume we don't need the help of others. This mindset must change. Spiritual personal trainers can come in many shapes and sizes. The key is that you have them. The only qualities they need are that they love you, love the way of Jesus, and are trustworthy. Personal trainers come at a cost. So do life, health, and freedom. And that cost comes to us as a choice. Will we choose to do what it takes to become sexually and spiritually healthy? Or will we choose to continue to take the easy way out, allowing sexual sin to bog us down and drown us alive? Not only do these spiritual personal trainers help us with our direct accountability, they can also help us restructure the rhythms of our lives to make sure we are staying in the stream of God's healing on a regular basis. The solution to sexual sin is not found in cognitive processes or practices of physical accountability. It is found in a heart, in love, 
with Jesus. And more importantly, a heart that knows it is loved by Jesus. The only way to get these concepts from your head to your heart is by spending time in Jesus' presence. You have all the concepts you need now. You know Jesus loves you and accepts you and gives you value. You have scripture after scripture to back these truths up. You now need to sit with Jesus and ask his spirit to marinate these truths into your life. It's the difference between a wedding and a marriage. Yes, you have the wedding with Jesus, but do you have a marriage? Yes, you know these truths, but are you spending time with Jesus so that he can hold you within them? I challenge you to commit 30 minutes a day to spend time in Jesus' presence and to aim for this five out of seven days a week. Rest in Jesus' sufficiency. Rest in his authority. Rest in knowing he is Almighty God, and any idols you have pursued are puny and worthless. Rest in these on a heart level, not a head level, for this is the path of transformation. This isn't something you will be able to do alone. We can always think of something better to do than spend 30 minutes with Jesus. If you didn't go through this book with a group of men, recruit some friends and go through it again with them. Make a covenant with your group to commit to this 30-minute time with Jesus for at least the next 30 days. If you are, quote, white-knuckling it as you fight off these temptations, it means you need to spend more time in Jesus' presence, asking him if his truths really apply to you. Hold the scriptures open, ask him, and listen to what he says. Then soak in it. Allow his love for you to fill you with peace, joy, and fulfillment. Instructions Set aside 30 minutes each day to spend time in solitude with the Lord. Light a candle. Actually try this part. No, I'm not a candle guy either, but I have found it to be a very tangible and powerful reminder of God's presence. It has made the time more intentional for me than anything I've done devotionally before. Set a 30-minute timer. Keep a Bible and journal handy. Start the time in silence in active listening, applying Psalm 4610's, quote, be still. Listen to what God wants to speak to you and transition into a time of prayer or journaling concerning what he says. Focus on God's holiness and majesty and then on his undeserved mercy towards you. God will do the rest. Footnote. Read Sacred Rhythms. Downers Grove, Illinois, University Press, 2006, by Ruth Haley Barton, for great inspiration and guidance on this sort of spiritual formation practice. End of footnote. Closing for Married Men The biggest fans in your life are your wife and your children. Your kids long for a father they can look to as an example of what it means to live out God's design for sex so they can follow in your footsteps. Your wife longs for a husband who will be true to her, who will be there for her with love and faithfulness, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health. A husband who thinks 
she is worth it. A husband who thinks his kids are worth it. A husband who thinks freedom in Christ is worth it. Your wife and kids are doing the trust fall, hoping you will be there to catch them. Will you be? Closing for single men. Singleness is the prime season of life to surround yourself with other Christian men who can spur you on in your sexual purity. It's also the prime season of life to bury yourself into a deep hole of isolation with no one knowing how deep and dark your sexual sin problems are. Living in a dorm at a Christian college was the closest thing I've ever experienced to the type of community the first century church had in Acts 2, 42-47. Most of our doors were always open, ready for whoever wanted to pop in and say hi, hang out, and share how things were going in life. These conversations would often lead to prayer and discipleship, and even led to some lifelong friendships. We did small group Bible studies together and read through sexual purity books together. My roommate Steve and I had an especially close brotherhood. We were able to constantly check in with each other and support each other on how we were doing in our walks with Christ and particularly with our sexual purity. This is a season of sharpening a married guy will never have again. There were also a few guys in our dorm who decided not to take advantage of these incredible growth opportunities. Behind their locked doors, they would bury themselves in playing copious amounts of video games. They never showed up for the Bible studies or prayer groups or for sexual purity discussions. More than likely, their sexual sins were spiraling out of control as they remained alone in the dark, something so easy to do when you're single. I'm not advocating that you move into a Christian college dorm unless you are already at this season of your life, but I do think you can simulate some of these unique Christian community elements as a single man in a way no one else can. Go to church. Seek out other guys who are single and befriend them. Hang out with them regularly. Have strong Christian housemates or roommates. Set up intentional, regular times to study scripture together and to have these conversations about life and your sexual purity. Strengthen one another. Coach one another. Cheer one another on. The choice you have as a single man is to either take full advantage of the opportunities for community given to you by singleness or to allow singleness to drive you deeper and deeper into isolation and enslavement to sexual sin. The choice really is yours, but you have to take the initiative. The only thing that will happen on its own is the dark spiral of isolation. Intentional community will not. Both of these options will feed off of themselves. If you've been buried in isolation for years, it's very unlikely you'll want to take the steps to get out of it. If you're enjoying a flourishing community of Christian brothers, it's very unlikely you'd ever want to go it alone. A path of freedom and a path of darkness lie before you. It's your choice as to which one to walk down. Choose freedom. It is well worth it.